0: Chogyam Trumpa said, Hold the sadness and the pain of the world in your heart and at the same time the power and the vision of the great eastern sun. Then the warrior can make a proper cup of tea. Hold the sadness and the pain of the world in your heart and at the same time the power and vision of the great eastern sun then the warrior can make a proper cup of tea. I wanted to tonight explore uh, in this period, um, compassion practice. And particularly, compassion um, with difficulty or with conflict. Matthew had posed the inquiry to look into the nature, the relationship between letting go and love. I think it's equally interesting to look into the relationship between letting go and compassion, really letting go in all the heart qualities. Compassion, many of you have probably heard this, but this bears repeating. Compassion is um, described as the quivering of the heart in response to difficulty. So that's this quivering of the heart in response to pain. And we're all tender enough right now where we are experiencing that directly we can really say, like, I know compassion. This is compassion. When the heart quivers in response to difficulty. The near enemies of compassion are pity and cruelty. So pity is where we come in contact with pain or difficulty and we feel sorry for the other person or it's really like, thank God this isn't happening to me. I hope it never happens to me. And we just kind of go away, we move away from it a little bit. And we've all had that experience of someone pitying us and it feels awful. just as I say that like see if you can sense in that in yourself like the part that just wants to rise above a little bit keep themselves away from the pain I see in my own mind it's like a a wish that maybe like if I don't touch this pain maybe something like that will never happen to me That's a slight withdraw or or can be gross withdraw and then the other is cruelty where um, we wish another harm You know, an example could be like if you're jealous of someone and you wish for their failure. This is fairly common in the human mind. It's not to judge or blame or feel shame about. It's to see the universality and also to recognize that to stay in one's heart, to stay in that tenderness, to stay in that quivering, is a training, it's like what we're doing here, and it's not easy. So we not only want to have compassion for others, but we want to have compassion for the ways that our heart moves away from pain. We want to have compassion for the ways that we withdraw and see ourselves as better or worse than other people, or the ways that we wish others cruelty you know cruelty is like this it's not personal it's the nature of the human heart to withdraw from pain but as we've seen together we can train in this we can train in leaning in and even in a moment where we where we see cruelty even if we can't feel it we can remember our dignity we can remember that our deeper intention is to not harm. And even if it means that we still act out of harming, just the mere fact of knowing what we're about is gonna get us quicker back on our path and is gonna allow us to be able, when the time comes, to offer compassion to ourselves around that. So it's like a sea of compassion. Like, compassion, 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 compassion. Gandhi talked about in his movement around this commitment to nonviolence and that just that commitment to nonviolence wasn't enough in order to um, meet the structures that he was up against and he said what was also needed was this commitment to truth which he called this force of truth so what balances the compassion this quivering of the heart is the insight into seeing how things are seeing the nature of reality this force of truth And there can be a friction between those. This commitment to not harm and then the truths that we're seeing can see truth and not want to harm and it's hard to know what to do. That's a lot of what came up in the interviews today. You're seeing things clearly, you know what you're about, what do I do? And as far as I can see, what we're doing is we're burning in the friction. We're burning in the friction. We're learning how to stay with the dukkha. We're learning how to stay with the dukkha. And it's the dukkha, the pain that leads to non-suffering. When we can stay in that tension, new possibilities can emerge. Creativity, ingenuity, insight, understanding into the nature of reality, into... The next step on the path. It's not this conceptual mind. I mean that it's, you know, that can work sometimes. But about these deeper questions that all of us are sitting in right now, it's this burning in the friction. Thoreau talked about like a counter friction. This counter friction and encouraged ones to like act against injustice said we had a duty to disobey immoral laws and structures. Like a duty to sit in this truth and this compassion in order to challenge the immoral laws and structures that are in our own hearts and minds. What beliefs are running your life that are immoral, that have nothing to do with your deepest values. This is like the rewilding of the mind. We're seeing the truth in a commitment to non-harming, in a field of compassion, and burning in the friction in order to allow new insight and understanding to emerge individually and collectively for the benefit of ourselves and then with a power and an integrity that has ripple effects throughout the entire six billion universes because part of the insight that we see is this interdependent, that we're interbeing, this interdependence, this radical interdependence. So I want to read to you a prophecy. And this was a prophecy that was shared to me by a woman that I mentioned to you, Joanna Macy. And she was given to it, she was given it in the 1980s but it actually comes from, um, let me see, where did it, I wanna say like 12, yeah, tw- it's from, t- it's 12 centuries old. And it's, it's a, a prophecy from the Tibetan tradition um, that's a we- very well-known, it's a very well-known prophecy that had been told. There comes a time when all life on earth is in danger. Great barbarian powers have arisen. Although these powers spend their wealth in preparation to alienate one another, they have much in common. Weapons of unfathomable destructive power and technologies that lie waste our world. In this era, When the future of sentient life hangs by the frailest of threads, the kingdom of Shambhala emerges. You cannot go there, for it is not a place. It is not a geopolitical identity, entity. It exists in the hearts and minds of the Shambhala warriors. And he used this phrase, warriors. Warriors. Nor can you recognize a Shambhala warrior when you see her or him or they. For they wear no uniforms and they carry no banners. They have no barricades on which to climb to threaten the enemy. Or behind which they can hide to rest or regroup. They do not even have any home turf always they must move on the terrain of the barbarians themselves. Now the time comes when great courage, moral and physical courage is required of the Shambhala warriors. For they must go into the very heart of the barbarian power, into the pits and pockets where the weapons are kept to dismantle them. To dismantle weapons in every sense of the word they must go into the corridors of power where decisions are made. The Shambhala warriors have the courage to do this because they know that these weapons are mano-maya. They are mind-made. Made Made by the human mind, they can be unmade by the human mind. The Shambhala warriors know that the dangers threatening life on Earth are not visited visited upon Us by any extraterrestrial power, satanic deity, or preordained evil fate. They arise from our own decisions, our own lifestyles, and our own relationships. So in this time, the Shambhala warriors go into training. So when he said this, Joanna, who I imagine was just delighted at this point and on her seat, was like, how do they train? And he said... They train with two weapons. She was like, What weapons? And he held up his hands in the way that llamas hold up ritual objects of bell and dorje, which symbolize the union of the masculine and feminine. And he said, These weapons are compassion and insight. Both are necessary. You have to have compassion because it gives you the juice. It gives you the power, it gives you the passion to move. It means not to be afraid of the pain of the world. Then you can open to it, step forward, act. But that weapon by itself is not enough. It can burn you out. So you need the other. You need insight into the radical interdependence of all phenomena. With that wisdom, you know it is not a battle between good guys and bad guys. It is not a battle between good women and bad women. Because the line between good and evil runs through the landscape of every human heart. With insight into the profound interdependence, interrelatedness, our deep ecology, you know that actions undertaken with pure intent have repercussions throughout the web of life beyond what you can measure or discern. By itself, that insight might appear too cool, too conceptual to sustain you and keep you moving. So you need the heat the power and the juiciness of compassion. Together, these two can sustain us as agents of wholesome change. They are gifts for us to claim now in the healing of our world. Let's take some moments to let that just resonate and So I thought what we could do is bring up, invite any area where you feel a sense of inner or outer conflict somewhere where you're holding some tension it might be two parts of yourself it might be a conflict with another person If it's a very complex problem, we're just going to like pick one little aspect of it, like one person and another person. And then I'm going to invite you to hold up your hands like the... With like if you had the bell and the dorje Just hold up your hands Yeah, it's nothing like You know, just hold up your hands You just hold up your hands And just feeling like these two sides of the conflict So there's like one side And then there's the other side Right? There's one point of view and then there's another point of view. And so taking one hand and placing that hand like kind of at, this, at your center. because So like take this hand and like bring it down. You can put the other one down and then you can put the other one all the way down. Just to symbolize like taking on the point of view and from a heart of compassion just saying like I care or bringing if you feel compassion in your heart just feeling this compassion for this point of view and listening from the heart of compassion so feeling into the conflict feeling into the difficulty and this particular point of view this particular part of it Just saying like, I care, I care. And you don't need, you're not, we're not looking for answers. You're not looking for anything. You're just offering this compassionate heart. Just being willing to sit in the fire, whether the heart is closed or open. And just recognize that if your mind is thinking about this, it's thinking about it because it cares. And then you can put that hand to the side like to your other leg and then take the other hand, symbolizing the other point of view. And just as practice, just again, like you can kind of dissolve the other side, try to redirect the attention and bring to mind this other point of view. intending to connect with this compassion that cares you care about this point of view Noticing any way that the heart is blocked without judgment and just intending care and openness. Doesn't need to happen quickly. And then placing this hand wherever you normally place your (laughs) hands for meditation and see if you can from a body point of view or from the heart's point of view or wherever you access most deeply like just feel into the two sides your right side uh, represents one your left side opens the other And see if as you sit in the dignity of your practice and of your heart, see if you can just sit with both sides, whatever that means to you. Feeling the friction or the lack of friction is force of truth and compassion that's able to listen learn and respond <clears throat> and if you feel a connection with this intention you could set the intention for yourself like right here and right now to listen to multiple points of view to listen with a heart of compassion to multiple points of view that that's one of the things that you want to be about doesn't mean you like them Doesn't mean you agree with them. I think what it means is that you're about, about embodied compassion, and it can feel like sometimes we're all alone in our intentions. But this insight into the radical interdependence of all phenomena allows us to sense into all the other beings that are committed to compassion as well. So just like right now, just sensing into all the beings in this room that are committed to compassion and wisdom, that are committed to letting go and expressing the qualities, the awakened qualities and all the people like all around the earth. We so aren't in this alone. Just right now, imagine all the good actions that are happening right now all around the world People opening doors for one another, listening to each other, caring for the old and the young, school teachers, (coughs) late night classrooms, so many good actions happening right now. and can let go of the burden. And rest in the field of great compassion